Welcome to the Ecom Breakthrough Podcast. Are you ready to unlock the full potential and growth in your business? You've already crossed seven figures in sales, but the challenge is knowing how to take your business to the next level. Join Josh Hadley, an eight-figure e-com business owner and investor, as he interviews highly successful business owners. Get ready, because you're going to learn specific actions you can take today to help your business reach its full potential and leave a lasting impact on the world. Welcome to the Ecom Breakthrough Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Hadley, where I interview the top business leaders in e-commerce. Past guests include Kevin King, Howard Tai, and Roland Frazier. Today, I'm speaking with Bradley Sun. He's the man, the myth, the legend that you've all heard on the Helium 10 uh, Serious Sellers podcast. He is the chief evangelist and the director of training at Helium 10. And we will be talking a lot about launching new products and what is currently working on Amazon today. This episode is brought to you by Ecom Breakthrough Consulting, where I help seven-figure companies grow to eight figures and beyond. Listen, Bradley, I started Hadley Designs back in 2015, and it took me seven years to grow our business to an eight-figure brand. There were a lot of mistakes that I made along the way that honestly made the path of getting to eight figures take a lot longer than it needed to be. I wish I would have had a mentor or a guide along the way to help me overcome a lot of those obstacles, the mindset shifts that I needed, because there were times where I doubted whether I could be a real CEO or if my brand could become a real brand. And so if our listeners have kind of run into similar plateaus and they want to know the next steps to take their business to the next level, then go to ecombreakthrough.com. That's ecom with two M's to learn more. And as a special bonus for my podcast listeners, this month I'm giving away one $10,000 comprehensive business strategy audit at no cost. All you need to do is email me at josh at ecombreakthrough.com and in your subject line say strategy audit. Then plead your case as to why I should choose you and your company to work with for this comprehensive audit. And if you don't win this month, don't worry, you'll be entered for future months to come. But today I'm super excited to introduce you to Bradley Sutton. Bradley is passionate about everything Amazon and e-commerce. He can talk about anything. Really, launch strategy, keyword research, the Amazon algorithm, and everything in between. He has launched hundreds of products on Amazon for himself and clients, and he is privileged to host the most listened to podcast in the world for Amazon sellers, the Serious Sellers Podcast. Meeting Helium 10 customers around the world is his favorite thing to do. With that, welcome to the show, Bradley. Thank you for having me here. It's great to be here. Hey, I'm I'm just glad I can, you know, rub shoulders with you, the most listened to podcast in the Amazon space and, uh, you know, associate my name with you. Oh, I don't know about that, but uh, I, I, it's like uh, it's nice to be on the other side of the microphone, I guess you could say, uh, for for a change. So so this is a, this is this is cool. It's true. As a podcast host, it is always nice to be like, I just get to show up for this one. I don't have to worry about leading the conversation i just get to show up i've right. i've been on the helium 10 podcast so i've been on the the other end of, of this uh table so it's good to have you here bradley bradley uh want to first get into what brought you to helium 10 to begin with so why don't you give us a quick you know version of what brought you to helium 10 and the role you're playing for them right now yeah well um it was a few years ago where i had just barely got into the kind of like the Amazon space as a, as a consultant. Um, I had just gone to a, a conference, an Amazon conference. Even I really wasn't involved much with Amazon. I was uh, just working for a company that sold on Amazon and, and I did stuff like I was the warehouse guy and I was, I was like the money guy because um, it, it was uh, a lot of, uh, it was, it was a few Korean individuals. And so I was the only American. So everything was in my name. And so like my contribution was giving the warehouse and having everything in my name and, and then the, I don't know, for whatever reason, they didn't want to share stuff with me. So like, I didn't really know anything what was going on. I just knew how to put stickers on FBA and like send 500 FBM uh, orders a day and stuff like that. But then we, we, um, we kind of split up the company and then I was like, what am I going to do? And, and then I was like, you know, what? I'm going to give this a uh, Amazon thing a try. I'm just curious about to learn everything. Cause I could see the numbers there. You know, like, this is ridiculous so back in like 2015, 2016. And so I went to a conference, just got all inspired. And then instead of actually wanting to become an Amazon seller, though, at that point, I was like, you know what? You know, like I'm just finishing breaking up with this other company. Like I'm, I don't have money to invest necessarily. And, and you know, family's in a tough time. Um, so let me just try and be a consultant. I just want cash flow. You know, like uh, sure, I know that 
It's not going to give me a high ceiling. Um, so I was just like, let me just dedicate myself for like six months to learn everything I can. So I, I went to conferences. I, I joined uh, what was, you know, now it's called Helium 10 Elite. In those days, it was called the Illuminati Mastermind. Uh, I was like one of the few people who weren't selling, but I was like, I just got to level up as fast as I can. And, and I, uh, I ended up signing my old, you know, partners as, as clients and then just started signing clients up and, and boom, just was consulting. And I, um, I was using other softwares before I didn't even know about Helium 10. And then I remember specifically, um, one of the software, like their, their customer service was so bad. Like, like I got no reply for days and it was a simple thing. Their keyword tracker, that, that was what I really needed for uh, keyword tracking. Um, and it didn't work. And I was just like, well, this is, this sucks. So I was like, I posted in one of these groups. So I was like, Hey, who can give me some suggestions on, on a keyword tracker? And then somebody mentioned, um, Helium 10. I had never heard of them. So I saw Helium 10 and, and I was like, Oh, this is pretty cool. I was like, wow, look at all this other stuff they have. And then from then on, I was like diehard Helium 10. I was all over their Facebook groups and stuff and, and arguing with people, you know, about strategy. <laughs> and that was when I got on the radar of the founder of Helium 10, Manny Coates. And then he said, Hey, you know, come meet us. And, um, you know, long story, a little bit less long, uh, you know, I met with them. I wasn't looking for a job at Helium 10, but they, they, they kept after me and signed me. And, and then, yeah, uh, then I went from, uh, using Helium 10 to, uh, evangelizing about, uh, Helium 10. I love it. So you've, you've been around the block then as it relates to Amazon, you've, you've done the consulting, you've helped a lot of brands, maybe share some of the wins that you've had as you consulted some of the clients, what were you consulting them about? And, do you have any case studies, um, you know, not have, you don't have to share brand mm -hmm. names, but case studies of things that you helped them implement, uh, just so people have an understanding of like your background and level of expertise. Yeah. I worked for a lot of, um, since, since I, I signed with some of those, uh, former Korean partners I had, they had some deals with like a lot of pretty big, um, Korean companies, you know, so like Samsung, you know, was one of them. So, um, I helped them launch a, a few accessories and a lot of Korean beauty, Companies like before Korean beauty was really a thing. Now K beauty is like all the rage. Anything Korean nowadays is the uh, it's is the rage. But um, it was interesting because I, I was you know I would try and help them to understand you know a lot of these companies couldn't understand hey like hey like we're huge in Korea let's just launch in America and then we're gonna hit a home run and I would try and tell them I was like hey you know there is a chance on some of these products but that's not the way Amazon works I'm like hey Amazon you know works on there's got to be demand. And then, you know, you've got to, you know, have some differentiation from the uh, competition and, um, you know, just showing up to the party does not guarantee you, uh, you know, some kind of smashing success. Um, you know, they were expecting some of these companies, Hey, I, I, we're going to be the top in the makeup category just by, you know, making a list. I'm like, that's not the way Amazon works. You know, like if everybody's got 10,000 reviews, you know, all the people who don't know your brand, you know, sure, sure. You, you'll crush it with the Korean community because they, they know you and they're searching for you, but you know, they're not going to know. So, um, it was kind of tough to get them to understand that, but sometimes we would have wins. Like I remember one product, uh, one of the companies, they came out with a, um, it's like a toothbrush or something like that, like a bamboo toothbrush. And I'm like, man, you know, we're going up against like Colgate and whoever, whoever, had, like all these brand names, but we, we were able to make the listing where, where it was, uh, it was kind of like a unique value point, even though nobody had heard of the brand. It was like from day one, we were doing a hundred units a day. So I was like, that was like one of my most proud launches that we did because it was going up against the the big boys, you know, and then we kind of won. And then other other kind of wins that I really liked was was just even though it was in competitive niches, well, we could always start with something. That's something that all Amazon sellers can do. You know, whether you have something that's a differentiator, um, whether you've got a unique bundle, you know, sometimes we do get too scared of competition. And yeah, you know, we we did. Of course, I've had you know. Uh, success with like things like the coffin shelf and things where there's no competition. Yes, of course it is, yeah. it is easier when, when you're the first to the market and stuff. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I do like doing stuff like that, but let's not always get too scared of, of the reviews and things like that. Because if you, if there is something that you can start with, you have a chance. It's like that dumb and dumber meme. Like, so you're seeing there's a chance, you know? <laughs> so like, um, like a lot of times their success was, like I could see that actually their uh their Korean some of the Korean words associated to them and their brand had um a lot of search volume already or a decent amount of search volume because uh, there's there's so many Korean Americans who who live who live in this country and then at that time things Korean were starting to get more popular so somebody who just might be just doing like regular private label research they did the rate you know let me look at X ray and and let me look at black box and and look at the numbers and it's like oh uh, I don't I don't like this. You know, my, my suggestion to, to sellers is like, no, like 
yes, maybe you do have to move on, but, but take a little bit deeper look. You know, is there some unique thing that this product has? Like, hey, we were the only product that actually had, you know, this, this, this ingredient mm-hmm. in it. Or, hey, we already could just dominate at least our own keywords, you know, the, the people who are exi- uh, searching for this brand or these Korean keywords that nobody else had. You know, can we use that as a base to, you know, get those initial reviews and, the, and, the, and then attack those, those kind of like, you know, um, more competitive keywords. And for other people, uh, it might be you, you have a unique bundle. I just interviewed somebody on the podcast who made their first product, you know, a, a few weeks ago. And from day one, he was doing like 30 a day in a very competitive niche. And it was something simple. Like he noticed that everybody on page one was like, a, I forgot, it was like a three pack or something. Mm-hmm. But he saw in the reviews that people were really wanting like four. So they were having to buy two of these three packs and they kind of didn't like that. But all they needed was four. So he was the only one with a four pack and he'd never sold on Amazon before brand new. Um, and boom, he, he was selling 30 units a day from day one and was on page one dominating. Uh, so, so just, you know, that's just a kind of like a, a good anecdote there for, for sellers to not get always too scared about, about stiff competition. Yeah. Well, those, those are some great case studies, Bradley. And I know on your podcast, the serious sellers podcast, a lot of the conversations have been centered around launching products, right? And how do you get ranked on Amazon quickly? And man, the the ranking strategies have evolved so much over the years. You know, I got dabbled into it. My first product launch was actually the fall of 2016. Um, and so at that time, like the, the whole game has shifted, right? You could ask people for reviews and give your products away for free all the way up to last year they banned, you know, or prohibited these, yep. you know, rebate programs that people were doing. And so where do sellers go now? Um, so I want to dive into that deeper with you, Bradley, and ask you, who who's interviewed a lot of other serious sellers that are crushing it, what's working for them um, today? And the reason I want to dive into this and have this be the focus of the podcast is because one of the biggest ways that brands can continue to grow, if you want to go from that seven figures to eight and beyond, really you need to continue to expand your product line. Um, It's not just relying on one or two or a handful of hero SKUs and saying, hey, let's let's keep driving external traffic for these hero SKUs. Like, let's just keep pushing this. In my opinion, you need to build out a full-fledged brand which requires launching new products, innovating, um, diving deeper into that entire market. Um, so that's why product launches are so, so important in, in doing that R&D. So Bradley, with that kind of intro, why don't you tell us, you know, what have you heard or have seen that is working best when people are launching new products on Amazon today? Well, one of the things I, I want to start with is something actually probably I didn't even start talking too much about until maybe late last year or early this year. Um, cause it wasn't as important as before. Like in the old days, as you were talking about, I mean, it, it was easy to get to page one. Um, you know, you, you would just run search find by or two step URLs and, you know, going back farther, you know, you people would do 99% discounts and, and two step URLs and, um, that was, that was how I got my start. I used to use this company called, uh, Zonblast and I was like, they're, probably their top company uh, or their top user of that, where I would just like launch three products a day almost. And, and without much effort, I would get to page one in like three, three days, like consistently, like, like hundred percent success rate because I had the algorithm. So like down and, and you, you know how to use them and stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, last year, Amazon's like, nope, no more search find buy, no more two-step URLs. Don't be doing rebates and stuff like that. So now it's like, all right, it takes a little bit, a little bit more. So before I actually get to the launch phase, like, Things that actually help with launches actually even before when I choose my product. Now, uh, what I'm about to say doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, this is the only way to do it. But something that I found helps is looking at um, something that we call title density. This is not like an Amazon word. We just made up. We had to make up a word. So what we call title density is how many keywords or, or how many listings on page one of a certain search term results have that exact word in in phrase form. And so. If you if you have a keyword in your title um, or or one of the main keywords in a niche, you know whether it's a brand new niche for you or you're expanding a brand, if you can find one to build around, that right there will almost get you to page one almost from day one. Um, like let's say you know like the bad example would be collagen peptides. If you were to check the title density of collagen peptides, it's probably like forty five, meaning that out of the fifty organic listings on page one, 
at any given time, 40 and between 40 and 45 of those 50, they all have collagen peptides in it. It doesn't mean it's impossible to get to page one. It just means it's going to be a lot more expensive, a lot more difficult. Now, now you take something that off the wall, you know, like um, coffin, uh, you know, bookshelf or something like that. Uh, you know, the tile density might be four. Now, that doesn't mean that this is amazing opportunity compared to the other one. You know, collagen peptides obviously is a much better niche or much more higher ceiling. But at least as far as when we're talking about launching a page one, it's possible that from day one of my listing, I'll be on page one without anything. Like I just make a listing. And if I'm the only one with a, that keyword, the way the Amazon algorithm work, it's possible I could be on, on page one. And if not, like a couple of purchases, you know, like through PPC or something, it'll, it'll get me to, uh, to page one. So that's, that's one of the things that I tell people to look for is, is, Hey, if, if you want to know how difficult or how expensive it might be to get to page one, look at that title density even before you hop into the niche. And then, and then, you know, you can kind of build your strategy, um, around that. Now, another, another tip that I, that I do is, is taking advantage of the, of the honeymoon period, you know, like I call something that I, I call it having the Maldives honeymoon effect. And that basically means I, I think we all know for years, there's this like unofficial honeymoon period. Actually, it might be official. Some people found like this back end where there's like some little word about about how uh, uh, like a status of an Amazon listing, like during the first month or, or so. It's not called oh. honeymoon or anything, yeah. but but every, everybody has seen it where in the beginning you get more. You know, you get wider reach on your PPC and, and all of a sudden you get a couple of orders and you skyrocket to page one. Whereas like if your listing was like a year or two old, that's that same activity would not have that same result. So so that is what we kind of call the honeymoon period. And then I always try and say, OK, how do we get the Maldives? honeymoon? like the Maldives honeymoon is like in real life. That's like a, a honeymoon on steroids. You know, so like how do we get even more bang um, for the buck? And and a couple of the strategies I like to use is is from as far as on the PPC side is like relating my um, listing right off the bat with, with uh, products outside of my direct competition. Like, of course you need to optimize your listing for your direct competitors. You know, like if I'm selling coffin shelves, I'm going to look at the top coffin shelves. I got to make sure um, I have all of their top keywords, you know, whatever's making them sales. Hey, that's going to make me sales. I got to have that. But what I think a lot of people don't do is look at the complementary products. So you can do that just one by one, just looking on all of those top competitors, look at, you know, physically or just manually look at their frequently bought together and get some ideas. You know, if you were to go to look at the coffin shelf now, a, a couple of them might have like coffin letter board or, or some other gothic, you know, like a gothic skull candle holder or something, you know, not direct competitors, but hey, there's actually people buying both of these, you know, together in the same shopping cart experience, right? So what um, I do is I just use you know, Healing 10 Black Box. There's a tab that almost nobody uses. It's called Product Targeting. And what, what that tab has is it has like the, the last 30 to 60 days of all the products we detected that have shown up in Frequently Bought Together. And so I'll use that to kind of get a more holistic view about what's showing up in Frequently Bought Together. And then I'll take, I'll take um, you know, maybe five or 10 of the top ones that keep showing up for multiple competitors of mine. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to do like a high level keyword research on those products. So let's say there is a, a Gothic skull candle holder. I'll go and run Cerebra on that. But instead of trying to get, you know, their 30 keywords, like, Hey, what are their top three keywords? Like the highest search volume where they're ranked between like one and five or one in 10, or I can see in brand analytics that they're definitely making sales or, or something like that. And then I make sure I actually have those keywords in phrase form, like three to mm -hmm. five of them in my listing. And then what happens is from day one of my listing, see, when you have a brand new listing, Amazon's algorithm doesn't really have much to go on with what to relate your product to. So it's just going to go on your listing copy. Um, and, and so, you know, if you're making your listing to your competitors, well, yeah, that's good. It's like from day one, you don't need sales or PVC. It knows that you're a coffin shelf because he has that in the title and it sees that your listing optimization is similar maybe to another coffin shelf. And so, when you're running auto campaigns, either on the ASIN side or on the on the keyword side or broad campaigns, um, it's going to probably show you right off the bat for these other coffin shelves and coffin shelf related keywords that you're not indexed for. But by taking this extra step and optimizing your listing against your your kind of like supplementary product top keywords, now all of a sudden you're like four xing the your auto campaigns reach, you know, depending on how you're, but you know, if you have a bigger budget and so you're going to start showing up from day one on these other products pages and the, these other products keywords. And it's not like a shot in the dark that, Oh, 
you know, could I get a sale from here? No, I mean, you already have the data that people literally buy coffin shelves with these other products. So it, you have a decent chance that you start showing up on these other products uh, pages as a product targeting ad, or you start showing up on these other keywords randomly where, you know, you have uh, you're now increasing your chances to get uh, to get sales. And so that, that that's something that um, uh, originally I was using that strategy maybe like three years ago, mainly in order to 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 get ranking for forbidden keywords from day one. You know, I, I did this um, speaking of case studies, I used to do this one product called a, it was a it was a hemp cream. Okay. And so most of the keywords, or not most, but all, half the keywords that, that are big money keywords are actually forbidden that they yeah. get sales. From, right. You know, cause, right. Cause it's a hemp, hemp product, right? Like CBD, like, like CBD is a forbidden keyword. Yeah. So when I was doing my research, I'm like, what in the heck? Like we're launching this new product. I know I need to rank for CBD, but I can't even put it in my listing. First of all, you know, so yeah. like, how am I going to get indexed for this keyword? Uh, how am I going to make sure Amazon shows me in auto that that's actually the answer. Like, like how you get indexed for forbidding keywords without having them is, is hopefully Amazon shows you in an auto or broad campaign. And then you get a couple conversions for it. And mm. you see, and then now all of a sudden you're indexed. Now you can do a manual campaign against that. So the way that I was able to always from like day one or two get indexed for these forbidding keywords is I would look at the very top sellers for, you know, CBD pain cream or something like that. And then I would take their top phrases, stick it in my listing and then cross my fingers where it's like, okay, hey, Amazon algorithm, figure it out that my product is similar to this one. Go ahead and start showing me for these keywords. And sure enough, it did. And then, you know, in those old days, it would be easy because I would just, you know, have like a search find buy company and say, hey, just give me three orders yeah. for this when you see it in sponsored. And then boom, I'm in, uh, immediately indexed. But then obviously we can't do that kind of thing anymore. But the, the same the same theory was what, what led me to this one where I was like, hey, you know, we definitely can can relate ourselves to other products in complementary niches. And, and that's really helped me on, on launch as well. That's brilliant. I, I love that. You're the first person that I've heard talk about that specific strategy of, you know, and even the tool. I know we haven't been using that tool on Helium 10 to go look at, you know, the product targeting. And I mean, what a fantastic tool to go find all the people that have been shown in the frequently bought together and then to start relating your products to those as a way to get your product distributed out there more effectively. Um, my question to you, Bradley, is you talked about add some of their top keywords into your mm -hmm. listing. Where do you add them into your listing? Um, because I could foresee an issue of, for example, maybe you're selling a calendar, right? Sure. And a pen, there's one particular type of pen or it's a set of markers or something, right? That keeps showing up in the, the frequently bought together. But those are very kind of two very different products, yeah. right? So how would you go about incorporating the marker top keywords into calendar type, you know, a calendar type product? And, and where do you put them, right? Does it matter? Is it yep. bullets, description, back end? There's a couple of different ways. So like the most ideal way is just to get it as organic and natural as possible, you know, in there. So like uh, the, the you know, perfect situation would be like, for example, let, let's use that gothic uh candle holder, you know, I could like say in one of the bullet points or description, like, you know, Hey, you can put a Gothic candle holder on top of the coffin shelf and, and then you have a real spooky, you know, effect mm. or whatever like that, you know, like something okay. that actually makes sense that not, that's not keyword stuffing. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes that doesn't, you know, you're not able to do that. Uh, most of the time though, if you really think about it, I mean, if two products are complementary, there, there's a way to, 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 to sure. tie it together. I mean, otherwise it wouldn't be complementary with each other. Like, like there's gotta be a way. But in the extreme circumstances where there's not, of course, you've got your search terms, your backend search terms. Um, most uh, categories still have hidden the subject matter. Like you can't do it in your edit listing. But like once you create your listing, if you use uh, like Helium 10 Listing Analyzer or you or your advanced user of flat files, like in Helium 10 Listing Analyzer, we still have the subject matter. And the, even though you don't see it there, it still works. Like we can tie mm -hmm. it in the API in the back end. And then so there's usually four, four, five more lines of 50 characters that you can put some of these keywords and then um, another one where it's very limited but like if you just can't put it anywhere um, um, is is this this back-end feature that that categories like home and kitchen um, have that's called special features and that doesn't help for ranking but special features is like the most it's the craziest field I have seen in Amazon in years where I could put something there and I'll get indexed for it like in less than 60 seconds. You know, really? like, you know, if you change your title or your description, sometimes it takes like up to a day for you to get indexed or for you even to show up. 
you change something in the search terms, like it was amazing that, hey, like within 15 minutes you could be indexed, you know, like in the old days. This one is like less than 60 seconds. Um, and, and I could, I proved that two ways, you know, using that special URL, that Ajax URL that, that shows what's in the back end or by actually just running index checker to, 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 to show that, hey, this wasn't indexing, then 60 seconds later it is. So um, it's, it, you have to be careful that you can't keyword stuff like you can in search terms and subject matter because the special features, it's actually, this is kind of a positive and a negative. Um, the positive, of course, is that, you know, you can index almost anything at all, even if like sometimes stuff I, I would put in search terms and subject matter, just Amazon didn't like it. I stick it in uh, special features. It'll be indexed real fast. But hmm. the drawback is you have to be careful because this actually shows up on the front of your listing above the bullet points. Interesting. So yeah. in the home and kitchen category and like um, I think health and household might be another one. I haven't tested all, all the categories. It shows up there. So you like you have to make it in a way that that it almost looks like a, a, a rudimentary bullet point. So you just, you know, that's why I say you can't keyword stuff. So so those would be the different ways that I would try and uh, weave it into my listing. Awesome. That's great feedback and great insight. So, Bradley, I think you covered two very important points at the beginning of a launch, right? Number one mm -hmm. is looking at that market opportunity. And I love that the keyword or title density, as you referred to it, right, in terms of looking at prime you know, opportunities for launching new products. I think that I love that strategy. So now let's get into the nuts and bolts of what is working if you've got a product, right? You found a good niche, um, you found related products, you've done your keyword research. What are you doing now to try to get that ranked? So, um, you know, it depends on, on everybody's budget, you know, but, but in a nutshell, like the strategy that I've been using for this last year since Amazon made that change is usually I'll I'll choose you know anywhere between three to ten keywords that I'm quote unquote launching on and uh, hey that's my focus to try and get to page one for these keywords and and the theory behind this strategy is almost identical to to what we used to do when we were using companies like you know AZ Rank and and Rank Bell and different search find by companies like that is hey they're they're trying to get people to buy you know using the search of a certain keyword. Uh, and, and the way that, you know, you could do that is by, Hey, you are offering them a rebate. You know, maybe these people didn't really need these products, you know, but the reason why they were doing it was because, Hey, I'm not, it's going to be free for me anyway. So I'll go ahead and search for this keyword and buy it. So that's actually kind of like what you can do organically mm -hmm. now. So what I do is the, let's say those five or 10 keywords. And then one of my strategies is it's not five or 10 standalone keywords. Like I try and have some of these keywords be roots of the other ones. So like, okay. for example, maybe. Some of my top keywords is egg tray, wooden egg tray, egg tray for kitchen, wooden egg tray for kitchen. Um, if I target these four, like I, I have to do a lot less because they're all roots of each other. You know, like like egg tray is going to give me a little bit of juice for wooden egg tray, egg tray for kitchen. Wooden egg tray for kitchen will give me some juice for these other ones where that keyword is built in. And so like I always try and pick, you know, at least a few keywords, keyword families, I guess you can call them. Mm. And then I do an exact manual campaign. I could do it all in one campaign. I could do one keyword per, uh, you know, per campaign. People have different strategies that they use. And then I just make sure I do a high enough bid where I am showing up at the top. You know, I'll throw it into a keyword tracker with boost on uh, right. in Helium 10 right from day one, just so I can make sure I can see in different browsing scenarios, different addresses, you know, every hour, like making sure I'm at the top yeah. of, of there. And then, and then, um, and then, you know, if I'm not, you know, adjusting my bid accordingly, we all know that it's it's really hard to just go off of Amazon suggested bid um, on these things. It's not, it's, it's way off sometimes. So um, and then and then I'm going to make a a sale price. Like I don't change the regular price because if, if I start off, like, let's say I have a $30 product and I started off at like $15. Once I start trying to raise the price, you know, I might lose a buy box or, or something like that. So mm -hmm. I'll, I'll put my regular price as 30 and then I'll either do like a huge coupon or I'll do a, a sale price for a, a set time. Okay. And then what I'm choosing as the price is I ask myself, all right, for this market, and there's no one answer for, for everything. It's like, hey, if what price do I have to put this where if people saw this at the top of the page, even though it has zero reviews or maybe one review or whatever, and there's other people who look better, at what price does a buyer of this niche just sit there and say, you know what? Like, I've never heard of this product, but at this price, I got to give this a try because it's like too good to, to, to pass up. And there's no one answer, you know, like for coffin shelves, I think I, you know, it, it, let's say I was doing a $30 coffin shelf to get there. Like it was like $15 uh, was that one, you know, for a supplement, <clears throat> maybe people have more reviews and in there and, you know, you might have to go lower, you know, than that at a sale price. But 
the end of the day is you have to answer the question of what at what price. And you could even use like Helium 10 Audience or PicFu, same thing. Yeah. You know, like where you can do some research on what that price is if you're if you're not sure. But but now basically what you're doing is you want people to to search, find, and buy your product. The, the regular people, you know, you're not influencing this in any way. Yep. You know, like like the old days, but just just p- people who were searching for that keyword. Obviously, if you're choosing this keyword as a launch, is hopefully it has some kind of search volume there, and then. It's the same as before. Like we have the Helium 10 CPR number, which says like how many, you know, the best chance to get you know, page one over eight days, uh, how many people have to do. And this is where it gets difficult now. Mm. Now it's a manual process. You know, before you use those other companies, you say, hey, I need five orders on day one, seven orders on day two. You know, like you, you yeah. can just tell them exactly what you need and that was what would happen. Now you actually have to sit there and be watching your, your, you know, or pace, you know, somebody in your team to be watching your campaigns in real time to make sure that once you hit that number of orders or that keyword, you turn off that campaign mm. because, because, you know, too much more will, 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 will be, you know, it's not, it's not going to do, it's not going to do you good. And so, you know, you know what that number is. You pay somebody to be constantly refreshing it. Um, you also got to make sure that things don't go viral. You know, like, like let's say you do have a $10 product or a $30 product and you're putting that $10, you know, it could get on slick deals or, or some crazy thing and it go viral. If that happens to you, you got to turn off your listing. You're like, yeah. oh, gotta turn it off because this is this is this is not this is not good. So, this part is a, a is kind of more of a manual process. Me, I like almost sometimes launching with my fulfilled by merchant listing. I always do a list everything, and so you know I have an FBA and I have a fulfilled by merchant. If my only inventory at the beginning is fulfilled by merchant, super easy for me to control to make sure some <clears throat> excuse me to make sure something doesn't go viral because I can just put like. 20 units of available. Right. So even if I miss it, even if I like something happens, I'm away from my computer, it doesn't matter because the max that could, that could go is 20. But, but basically you're just monitoring those five to 10 keywords, making sure you get your target number of sales for that day and then turn it off and then restart it the, you know, the next day. And then, you know, every time I've done this, you know, I'll, I'll still get, uh, get to page one, um, you know, just like I did in the old search by buy days. And then, you know, I can turn off the sale or I could, I could take, you know, take another set of keywords and try and get to page one. There's a lot of different um, options I can do, but that that's pretty much been my go-to way now for over a year now for launching products. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Um, I love how you're basically doing what had been done in the past, right. But doing it all on Amazon kind of organically, right. The way that it mm-hmm. naturally should be occurring. So my question to you is this, I, I haven't heard that approach of, you know, everybody talks about like, we'll just turn on, you know, exact match campaigns for the keywords, but I haven't heard the piece you add on, you added on was the fact that like you have somebody monitoring that and you know what your daily CPR rate is and you're turning that campaign off as soon as you hit your number. Um, Why, why is that? Because wouldn't more sales be better? Um, And I kind of have a two part question here. And then how does that impact overall conversion rate, right? Because sometimes you can have a high number of clicks and it can decrease your overall conversion rate. And I hear that that's part of that ranking strategy as well. So would you mind kind of shedding some light sure. on those two questions? Well, the, the main reason is you're losing money on every order. Yeah. You know, one of the main reasons is, is you know, if you're setting a, a $30 product, um, your cost is probably or definitely over fifteen dollars. You know, all, all in. You know, not even considering the the, the F or the you know the, your PPC costs and different things. So you want to minimize the the loss. And and you know, in the old days, you, you lost money too. You would have to rebate the whole order. You know, you know. So like, of course, you, you're going to lose money on a launch. That that's the way launches launches work. You got you got to. It takes money to make money. But at the same t- at the same time, like if my CPR number is only five for a keyword per day, it theoretically doesn't do me much better to be getting 20 orders a day for this keyword. And, and that's just lost. That's just money. I'm throwing down the toilet. You, you know, um, a lot of times too is your Amazon doesn't know you're in a launch or it's not trying to accommodate itself to, to your campaign strategy. It could be that only like five of those keywords are getting the most and you're trying to do 10. So like by turning off one of those campaigns, once it hits it, Amazon will reallocate, you know, so, some, some juice and some impressions to those other keywords that maybe it wasn't at the beginning of the day. But that's the, the first reason why I, I want to make sure I limit things is I'm not losing money away. That would that would have been like if the CPR number is 10 per day in the old days, I'm going to pay one of those search find buy companies to do 30 a day. Like it doesn't make sense that mm. I would do more than what I what, what I need to. Um, And then and then what, what happens is, though, is theoretically, you're not going to get on page one right away um, of this. So you turn off that campaign. 
now I'm not showing up. That that's not really that's not hurting my conversion rate at all. Like right. my conversion rate's gonna be great because those, you know, the few clicks I'm gonna get, probably I'm gonna convert them. Uh, a lot of them on a, on a high percentage, but then once I turn off that campaign, now I'm not showing up there at the top. So it's not like my conversion rate is going to be affected um, uh, at all. But yeah, that that's kind of like the, the logic behind that, that strategy. That's really interesting. Um, and so what you're doing, you have the CPR number for every single one of those 10 keywords. Let's say you're starting out yes. the gate with those 10 keywords. So if you have, you know, you need five sales per day, right. For each of those keywords, essentially you're saying you need 50 sales. In total. Yes. And you're and when you say you're refreshing the screen, you're refreshing your advertising dashboard. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Anything. I mean, with that, I know that Amazon's data isn't always the fastest. Right. There's a lot of attribution. I think they say what, 72 hours for full attribution. Do you see that? You know, do you ever have you had a circumstance where, you know, you weren't seeing any sales coming through the advertising side on the report itself? like you could see in the business reports you were making sales. Have you had any problems like that? Cause I'm trying to understand like yeah. how big of a problem well, you, is usually attribution. The, yeah. In those cases, you know, when, when it, you know, the, that attribution window is absolutely a thing, but that's not going to give you ranking juice anyways. Mm. So if somebody clicks on your listing and then they don't buy their product, you know, uh, today at 10 AM and, and they come back, you know, uh, Saturday at, at 10 PM and buy it. Yes. I, I might get, uh, attribution, but that that has nothing to do with the ranking anyways. So usually Amazon will show right away like, Hey, th- th- this is the one. Now, if, if, uh, if it could work the opposite way, you know, like if I've been running this campaign for like 10 days, is it theoretically possible that, you know, one of these new things that comes up in the attribution was from like really three days ago? Yes, that that's possible. But, but by that time, you know, usually I, I've gotten enough that, that I need and, and it's those, those are not going to be too much. And, and these are impulse buys. You know, so a lot of them, I don't have to worry about them being 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 farther along. Like if somebody lands, that's why I said the conversion rate is really good is because, you know, if if you click on it and uh, hopefully that you have a good listing and then people see it's like, oh, yeah, this is only 50, this is half the price of everybody else. You're going to you're going to get that sale. You like people don't really sit on that for uh, for a while or maybe the ones that do. They've already added it to the cart, you know, um, and then even though they don't buy it's still, you know, that adds a cart, you know, helps you. And yeah. And just complete side note that just boggles my mind. Once Amazon started coming out with data about ads, a carts like in, um, uh, what is it like search query performance and, and some of the, uh, product opportunity explorer mm-hmm. that it just bog boggles my mind. Like, like I think it's something like in some niches it's like five to one. And the reason why it boggles my mind is me, I, all of us buy on Amazon. I buy, you know, maybe one, two things a day. If I add something to my cart, I buy it. Like, <laughs> I, just, I just cannot understand how out of five people, four of them will add something to the cart and not buy it mm-hmm. necessarily. Well, like, uh, but but I've talked to people. I guess I'm the weird one. Obviously, <laughs> the data shows that I'm the weird one. But, yeah, I talk to people. They're like, yeah, yeah, you know, sometimes I'll add like seven things and then I'll just whittle it down to the, the two that I want to buy. I'm like, whoa, that's just like, I don't know. What, what about you? Is that... Do you do that? Do you add things to the cart and then not buy? Or are you like me? It's you just funny buy whatever because, you, add to the cart? you know, I, I heard your other podcast where you talked about this and I was in kind of your same camp where I was like, I always am like, just immediately like check out. But right? for Christmas shopping this mm. year, that's where I've been more like, I'll oh, just add it to the cart so I can just like, and, and I just keep looking for new ideas as I'm looking for gifts for my wife. And so I used it as my shopping basket, so to speak. Okay. To say, okay. all right, let's come back and now that I've added the wish list, I can go back and whittle it down from there. Yeah. Plus, I, I think here's the other thing that I found, especially for the twenty twenty two holiday season. I know this is backdating this podcast, but for the twenty twenty two holiday season with the amount of like inventory limits and the supply chain issues that Amazon was yes. facing. They're like, it could say, hey, this is going to arrive before Christmas. You get to check out. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, arriving after Christmas. And you're like, yeah, what the yeah, heck? yeah. So that's kind of another reason why I was doing that. But yeah. But anyways, anyways, like either way, um, whether they add to cart, it's not going to be as powerful as a purchase, but it'll still it'll still help you. So so that's why, um, you know, the strategy still works. Interesting. How long does this take? Right. Uh, to get something ranked 
on the first page, right? If you're targeting those 10 keywords, is this a strategy you have to implement consistently over two weeks? Is it one week? What have you seen in the data? Well, the really competitive ones, you know, like where the title density is really high and and there's some pretty, pretty hefty uh, uh, activity already on that page by the competition. Yeah, it could take up to two weeks. The ones that are, you know, lower in search volume, you know, like maybe 2,000 searches or something, and the title density is really low, like you could get on page one after a day, but yeah. I wouldn't stop it there because, you know, if you just, you know, take your foot off the gas, Amazon might correct itself and just say, okay, yeah, this is just a fluke, you know, so I still would have it go yeah. uh, at least five to seven days, uh, if not eight. You know, the CPR number is is designed to go after eight days, and so, uh, but you know, like I said, sometimes it, it might go uh, farther, but if I know it's like super, super not competitive, I might go ahead and stop it at four. If I've been at page one already for like two days or something, I, I try and want to stay on page one at least, even after I get there, like at least two or three days afterwards, just to to send those additional signals to Amazon. Now, um, I don't completely take my foot off the gas. You know, like some people say, just in general, like, hey, what if I'm already page one, position one? Do I stop yeah. advertising? And, and my personal philosophy, I, I know different people have different opinions on this. My personal philosophy is no. You know, because I still want to be there at the top of the page because, you know, the way that Amazon search results are nowadays, like sometimes it's only sponsored results at the, <laughs> at the top. Like your your page one, position one organic is like halfway down, yep. halfway down the page. And I want as much real estate there at the top. But at the same time, it's like when I'm in my launch phase and I have this 50 percent off price, like, uh, you know, I'm like maybe yeah. I don't want to necessarily be be pushing, you know, too much. So it, it, it's kind of just like a, a little game you got to play, you know, with each situation. Interesting. So follow-up questions on that would be, at what point do you start raising your price? And how do you do that, right? Is this, you know, a dollar at a time over the period of weeks and months? Or is this something you could quickly just jump up to the price that you want to be at after you get ranked? It's going to be different for every product. You know, there there are some where I just went to regular price, you know, since it was a sale price, I I could could just end the sale and just go to my regular price of $30. Like if I feel like I'm still competitive, even though I only have zero reviews still or one review, as long as I'm on page one and my conversions are, are going to be okay, uh, I'm just going to end that sales price after 10 days already. Mm. Um, some I might do gradually. You know, some I might not do at all. Like if, if I get to page one for those first five keywords and now I'm just going to completely switch to another five keywords, well, I got to keep that yeah. sales price yeah. because now I got to do it. I got to repeat, repeat this uh for this other. So there's no one size uh, fits all, but it, it, it's just, it depends on what your goals are. Um, but you know, usually I, I, I'm not going to have it for like a full month almost under any circumstance, because by that point, like I've lost, I've might, maybe I've lost, you know, too much money. Like if I have yeah. to, like if yeah. I am launching a collagen peptides, you know, like a super or a garlic press or something that's super, super competitive, you know, what? I might have to keep that, that sales price until I you know hit that, magic number of, you know, for different people, uh, it's like 10 reviews or 20 reviews or, or something like that. So, um, but, but yeah, like, like I can't think of a situation where I've gone beyond 25 days at at that special price. Interesting. Yeah. Good to know. And then with that, then you're just rotating the different keywords throughout the time, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. You're working on. And then I, and then I, I go to kind of like this maintenance mode where now I just start my regular PPC campaigns and maybe I'll start doing more broad and more auto, you know, more discovery campaigns and, and things like that, because all those are still going to, are still going to help. Okay. But the main thing is having the top of search placement, right? So you're doubling yes. down, you want top of search. You don't want to be showing up on product pages or rest of search in order yeah. to for, for those, for those target keywords. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because that's the only thing that's, that's, you know, going to help you get uh, to, to the, organically move your rank up faster is just you want every single eyeball that goes on that keyword to, to at least have a chance to see your, your listening and, and, and click on it. Fascinating. I love this. Bradley, you've shared so much knowledge. Is there anything else that you would add to, you know, getting a listing, a new product launched on Amazon and maintaining that, that we haven't really covered it up to this point? Well, just a couple of things, you know, I know this podcast is, is geared towards uh, bigger sellers. So so maybe there's some some Helium 10 Elite members um, out there. This is not a sales pitch for Helium 10 Elite. Actually, even if you wanted to, you couldn't join Helium 10 Elite right now. Like, I don't even think we're opening it up until like middle of next year. But for any Helium 10 Elite members out there, you guys have some exclusive access to to some special tools. And one of them that helps with launches is one of my, my favorite things that we've, we've done is is historical Cerebro. So like, let's say I'm getting into a niche. 
Um, if it's something that sells you know, like a garlic press, the same all year round, you know, you just use the, the same old techniques. But like if, if you're getting into a niche and you and, and it's seasonal in any way or, or cyclical at all. Well, in the old days, what I would have to do to do my historical keyword research, you know, because if I'm doing research in Cerebro for right now, it's showing me what's going on in the last 30 days. But maybe this product peaked in like, you know, summer or something like that. And, and I'd just be guessing on the keywords and guessing on the main one. So what I would do in the old days, the only visibility I had to historical that would be to use brand analytics. I would go into brand analytics, select a time frame, and that's but that's very limited because it's only showing me the top three click products. So now what we have is is for elite members, you can actually go in and view Cerebro as of any month in the last two years. So like let's say, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up, you know, um now we're at the end of the year, beginning of the year. If you were to run Cerebro on, on top Valentine's Day products, some of the products, you know, Valentine's Day products, they only stay in stock in February and March. And so, like, I couldn't even run Cerebro on them. Right. But what I would do is I would find those top selling ones from last year, either using Black Box or, again, you know, finding a couple from Brand Analytics. And then I could actually, in Cerebro, run Cerebro as of February of last year and the previous year to see, all right, what were the top keywords that people were ranking for as of February 2022, February 2021? And now I could already, you know, even, you know, now in January, I could already be all set, you know, and try and maybe even rank for those keywords in January when nobody is really, there's no activity. So it's super easy to rank for. And then the other thing is, like I just mentioned, um, so, so there's so many sponsored ad placements now on page one, different keywords have different ones. You know, you'll see top from our brands, like a new widget. That's kind of like sponsored ones. It's, and it's not just Amazon brands. It's really weird. How, you know, you would think that's only Amazon promoting these brands. It, it, it promotes private label brands mm. there too. Um, there's Amazon's choice, like not just Amazon's choice, but like a whole widget that says that it gives you like Amazon's choice from different, <clears throat> from different ones. There's um, editorial recommendations, you know, the, there's sponsored brand video ads, there's sponsored brand uh, header ads. There's, there's trending now. There's like a new widget. So like mm -hmm. all of these are all sponsored ads at the end of the day. So in the old days, you could just like say, all right, who's ranking organically on page one? And who's ranking on sponsored, like the, the traditional sponsored product ads. But those are only two pieces of the pie now. So elite members also have uh, starting with December of 2022, they're going to have all historical and, and, and real time uh, data of like you enter in a product into Cerebro it's going to tell you all of those places like, hey, here's all the places where you can actually see them. They're coming up on page one of the editorial recommendations. And so we, we can't just rely on the old strategies because it only tells a piece of the story now. Like like if somebody if somebody is dominating like 10 of the main keywords, they've got five placements on there. You know, hey, they're showing up in the editorial recommendation. They're showing up in trending now and they're showing up in organic and sponsored and they've got a sponsored brand video and they've got a sponsored brand header. <laughs> literally, that, that, that's, that, that sounds crazy, but literally there are products doing that. Well, that you might now change your strategy where it's like, oh, th this is not as easy of a keyword. Like I got to like, how do I get my listing on all these placements, you know, to, to match my competitor? So that, that's another thing that's kind of new, new ish that we're, um, that, that, that's, that people can use as a strategy. I love that. What a great tool. And I know there's, there's a lot more. Uh, capabilities that helium 10 has that I think people aren't even scratching the surface on. So uh, Bradley, is there anything else that we haven't covered with product launches? That's about it. I mean, the, 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 there's, there's tons. I mean, we, we have a seven hour podcast on product. <laughs> well, launches, that's what, I that's think this, this is, this covers right? the main, yeah, <laughs> this covers the main stuff here. I love it. Well, Bradley, this has been super exciting and, you know, very educational. I myself have taken away a lot of action items for myself. So before I ask you the final three questions that I like to ask every guest, I love to leave the audience with three actionable takeaways from each episode. Here are the three, three takeaways that I noted, Bradley. Let me know if you okay. think I'm missing something. So number one, as you look to expand your product offerings and coming out with new product ideas, a good opportunity um, or, or a tip or strategy is to look at title keyword density as Bradley mentioned. So really, and, and there's a feature on the Helium 10, uh, you know, ex Chrome extension that allows you to see that, right? You could type in the keyword. Yeah. So definitely go into whatever niche or product category you're looking at and then type in the main keywords and type in maybe some of the medium search volume keywords and seeing if, see if there's some low hanging fruit there because more often than not, there, there can be some low hanging fruit. So that's action step number one. You could even do that with existing products 
if you have an existing product, go in there and make sure that you have the right keywords there in your title because it will make a huge impact. Action item number two is when you are launching, I think the biggest mindset shift that I had today is that you can still implement many of those same strategies that were working before, but you're doing it all on Amazon's platform. So still run your CPR number, right? Still calculate everything, but run everything through the Amazon ads, right? So you want to have your top of search placement, run it on a select five to 10 keywords and focus on the top of search and get your CPR number for the day and turn it off. Um, and then action item number three, I think for people is to understand that and, and be willing to lose money in those first two to three weeks, right? As you mentioned, Bradley, that's why we talked about at what point do you raise the price back up? Mm -hmm. uh, because how long can you just continue to lose money on every single sale? And so in order to do that, you are going to need to budget, right? So understand your financials. The only way that you're able to grow to eight figures and beyond is if you are practicing good financial business acumen in your business. You can't just, you know, in our, our business, we're launching two new product categories every single month. The only way that we do that is because we know how much it's going to cost and we know we have the cash flow in order to do that because sellers can really, you know, get themselves in a pickle, so to speak. If you're just losing money and then launch after launch and really quickly, you could run yourself out of business in a way. So that would be my third actionable takeaway is like get really good at your numbers. And there's many different tools out there that that can help you create those budgets. So, Bradley, that's my three takeaways. Anything else you would add? No, that's pretty good. Like like when I when I do podcasts, like I don't even remember what we talked about 10 minutes ago, uh, let alone the <laughs> be able to pull out three top things from the whole episode. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. Now you're making me step up my game now. <laughs> well, awesome. All right, Bradley, the last three questions um, that I have for you. Number one is what has been the most influential book that you've read and why? Um, that would probably, I don't read much books um, like at all, but, but there is one that really had an impact. Um, and it's probably, it's probably one of the only books that I've read lately um, because I'm, I'm more of like a, like a YouTube video and, 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 and podcasts, you know, person, but, uh, it's the four disciplines of ex execution. Uh, this is something that we, uh, uh 4DX for short, mm, okay. but it's something that we at Helium 10, like in the early days when we were a really small company, um, we were in a, we work and there was like 15 of us It was something that I think, uh, helped kind of like, um, catapult us, 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 us to the top was, is just a way of like every aspect, either of your life or of the business uh, about making it about KPIs and different things, but, but just, in a way of goal setting and, and really making sure you're looking at your leading and lagging measures. And it was just a different mindset. You know, maybe there's some people have already been, been, been doing that on their own. But for me, who hadn't been doing that, it was kind of like a complete mind, mind, uh, set shift for me personally. And then as a business, I could definitely see how it really helped us when we, we kind of like, uh, built our, our, you know, initiatives around this 40x uh, strategy. So that that's my that's probably my favorite business book I've read in years. I love that. I'm going to have to dive into that book. I've heard that one before. So mm -hmm. awesome. All right. So next question. Typically, I like to ask people, you know, hidden software tools or new tools that they've started using that other people should be using. But I think specifically, I want to ask you, Bradley, for Helium 10, what are some of the most underutilized tools that helium 10 has that sellers need to be implementing i think you've already shared a few of them on the podcast today but for seven figure sellers what are some additional tools that you think people are barely even scratching the surface of using well two of them would be um our inventory management you know like you'd be shocked how many people like have had helium 10 for years and they don't realize we have full inventory management you know software that that you know has advanced algorithms, you know, based on forecasting and, and I can create my POs right from in the software. I can create my Amazon shipping um, transfer shipments right there within the software without, without even going to seller central and things. So that's just like one, a general use thing, but like kind of like a under the radar. Um, I already mentioned one of those today, which was that, um, you know, black box product targeting tab. But one of the mainstream ones I think people sleep on that really is impactful is alerts. A lot of people already use Helium 10 alerts, but 
they don't actually pay attention. And sometimes I'm one of them. Like, like there was a case where, um, for the coffin shelf, uh, they, they changed like one and a half inches on one side. And, and they're, sure enough, the same day that Amazon did that, I got alert. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, I didn't even look at it. And then four months later, I was trying to do some auditing and I'm like, I lost $4,000 in the last three months because it, it put me to a higher uh, bracket for shipping. And I had no idea. And since it, it it was four months later, I could only get like three months of the money back. So I did end up getting $3,000 back mm-hmm. after like fighting with Amazon for a while. Yep. But, but if I would have just paid attention to that alert, you know, like I could have got that straightened away right away and not have to lose a thousand dollars or have to go through this long process to, to, to get it fixed. So it, for anybody who has helium 10 and this, you know, this goes for platinum diamond elite, um, turn you have it's not just automatic from day one you've got to go in and turn on the SKUs that you want to have alerted so i would you know if you have like a thousand SKUs, i don't think it allows you to do a thousand alerts but you know you usually don't have a thousand top sellers so pick your 100 top sellers or your your 200 top sellers turn alerts on and then make sure you got somebody on your team actually looking at those because that one is the big the the dimensions change uh that could lose you money you know obviously if amazon changes your title uh, uh you know if, if an image gets changed if we get adult suppression or i mean all these different things that can happen but i think the most common one that all of us have dealt with is amazon just randomly changing our dimensions yep. and, and us not knowing so so guys make sure you have your alerts turned on yeah that that's a huge one that's an easy takeaway for today is if you haven't done that amazon we found that in our business good grief we thought you know the first time amazon we ship in the product all right dimensions are correct you look back right. six months later and you're like, what? Mm-hmm. The FBA <laughs> fee is double now. What What happened? And yeah. you have the dimensions completely wrong. I I don't even want to know how much money we've lost in the past, you know, right. um, <laughs> for not looking at that. But it's something that we started implementing. So good takeaway. All right. Last question that I have here for you, Bradley, is who is somebody um, that or who is someone you admire or respect the most in the e-commerce space? that other people should be following or paying attention to? Um, I'm, uh, I'm going to give something completely off the wall here. Might turn some people off, but, but I was one of them before. But uh, the founder of Helium 10, Manny Coates, you know, he, since he sold Helium 10, he hasn't really been in technically like the e-commerce you know, space, but, but he actually started this NFT project. And, and for most of us, we're like sick of, uh, cryptocurrency topics or NFTs like, Hey, aren't those dead now? And I was totally one of them. I'm like, it, it was funny. Even for a while, there were some like big helium 10 affiliates where when crypto was like really going high, they were like, you know, we can't, we're not going to promote Amazon anymore uh, courses and stuff because we're like all in on the crypto. And then we saw what happened there. But you know, Manny Coates is somebody who like, basically he, he's like the Midas touch. Like, like he created a billion dollar company, you know, from, from a podcast, you know, the AMPM yeah. podcast, a lot of people don't realize that was what he started because he was starting to sell on Amazon. And then, and then Helium 10 came from the AMPM podcast. It was actually just started a couple of tools because he wanted to promote the AMPM podcast mm. more. So he's like, let me make a couple of these free tools like uh, Scribbles. And I think it was Frankenstein was the other one. Interesting. And then it became so popular. He's like, holy crap, you know, let me focus now on the software side instead of focusing on the podcast. So like he, he, he and his uh, uh, co-founder of Helium 10, Guillermo, like pretty much anything that they do, I, I'm like, okay, like, I gotta, I gotta take a look at this. So I, I always, you know, pooped on, on NFTs and things like that. But then when they started their thing called the bulls and apes project, I was like, this is super interesting. And, I'm, and now I'm like totally engrossed in it. And so like, I'm following them and what they're doing there. And I'm like heavily invested in this thing. And then you can like invest in because of this community, like invest in things like SpaceX and stuff, but just in general, you know, whether you follow him or not, I just think it's important that as entrepreneurs, we have like hobbies and different things that kind of like take us outside of our regular day to day. And for me, that's what it is now. Like it's a game and I play it and, and I'm actually, you know, I've, I've like probably 10 X my money already uh, on it. But even if, even if I was just breaking even to me, it's almost, almost like a hobby that, that resets my brain as far as just, you know, we can get so just engrossed in, in, in the Amazon day to day or Walmart, whatever. And then we get burnout and stuff, but like, 30 minutes a day now I'm like going into my, to see how my NFTs are doing and seeing if I can buy some more and different things. It, it gives me a nice little reset for my brain to take me out of Amazon and into something completely different. That's kind of like fun and gives me some endorphins and stuff. And so, so yeah, for, for me, I follow him and everything that he's doing in that, but I, I just recommend to anybody find, don't always just follow, you know, it's great to follow the Kevin Kings of the world and Brandon Young's and, and, and Tomer, Tomer Rabinovich and, and, 
different people in the industry. You still do that, but find somebody outside of the industry or find something that can take your mind off of Amazon just for a little bit a week. Yeah, I'm a big proponent of that. I, I joined a mastermind group as well that was not Amazon specific and just meeting other business owners in real estate space or SaaS. I mean, just the, the ideas that come through, um, you know, can really, really help propel your business forward. So great, great advice there, Bradley. All right, Bradley, where can people follow you and uh, reach out to you if they want to learn more? Well, you know, Give us a, a subscription to the uh, Serious Sellers podcast, you know, whether whatever you're listening to this on, I'm sure it'll be on, on that platform as well. Uh, and then, you know, you could see me in the Helium 10 members uh, Facebook group um, and my Instagram. Uh, it, I, I, I used to use the Serious Sellers podcast Instagram, but that's what I use for my personal, too. So you, you can uh, follow me on there as well. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us, Bradley. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Visit ecombreakthrough.com for more information. If you've enjoyed today's episode, the best way you can show your appreciation is by clicking the subscribe button and quickly leaving a review. See you again next time.